Hello everyone, this is Alex Trumbull from The Alex Trumbull Show, and thank you so much for joining us here on this special, beautiful day. Today we have a new friend of the show, Mr. Paris Denard. Paris serves as the national spokesperson for the RNC, yes, the Republican National Committee, and this man has a story to tell. The advice that he shares on moving up the leadership ranks and overcoming challenges and how you can stand out from the rest of the crowd when you know that there's phenomenal talent all around you is actually pretty cool and really exciting. So look, we're going to get to this interview. But as always, before we get started, please feel free to put yourself in the raffle for a free one hour coaching session. Um, we offer one a month. And all you have to do is comment under this video on YouTube, LinkedIn, or even Facebook, asking a question about leadership and leaving the hashtag the T-H-E-A-T show, S-H-O-W. That's all you have to do and you'll be entered in to win a free coaching session with this worth $250. But let's go on and get ready for this interview. See you soon. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble from The Alex Trimble Show. And today, today, we are we are blessed. We're going to have a really great conversation with now a good friend, Paris. How are you doing, kind sir? I'm great. Thanks. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. And I've been really looking forward to this conversation. <laughs> and you? How's your day going? Uh, busy, as, as per usual here at the RNC, but all good things and happy to be with you. Thank you so much, kind sir. So look, the, the first question I would be pondering to ask you. So when I, here's a story. So when I started off my career, it was, it was a point in my life when I went to this meeting for my supervisor, okay? I went to a meeting for my supervisor and um, I took notes. I, I, they were talking about um, the purchasing of this new program, this, this new device um, system that would cost millions of dollars. And when I went back to my supervisor, I briefed him. He said, okay. He got on the phone. He started making decisions. He was making decisions what, what, based off of what I said. I got nervous. I'm like, hey, you're not going to check what I said? You're not going to fact check me? And he's like, no, I, I trust you. My first question is, did that ever happen to you? At what point in your career did you say, oh, this is real? I, I'm, I'm standing on this stage. I'm, I'm making this decision, whatever it may be. Did you ever have that, oh my God, this is, this is on me now? Well, that's a very good question. I think my entire political career has been that way. Um, I've been Republican since I was in high school, and my first uh, entree into the political uh, world came at 17 years old uh, when I was uh, the youngest, at that time, the youngest speaker at the Republican National Convention in Philadelphia. Uh, CNN uh, interviewed me live uh, from my hometown of Phoenix, Arizona, on the front page of USA Today uh, and front page of my home newspaper, the Arizona Republic, twice in one week. Uh, and after doing the interview with CNN, uh, while I did speak at the convention live on C-SPAN, CNN cut into it, Wolf Blitzer uh, cut into it live to take it. So I think at that point, uh, early on in my career, I realized that uh, sort of aha moment that this is real. This is something that is significant. This is something that ha uh, has a tremendous platform if you're able to uh, obtain it, work hard for it, and keep it. And ever since then, I've been involved in national politics. And so from an early age, I realized the magnitude of uh, the, the platform, which I've been 
uh, given and have always taken it very seriously and have always appreciated each opportunity that I had to serve and to lead and to lend my voice to uh, the Republican Party. Well, well, again, thank you for starting off that way because there's so many different directions we can go from there. I guess we we talked about your voice. You you spoke about your voice and having that platform and having the ability to to change and make impact with your voice. Um, Many supervisors and many leaders find out the hard way that you know, their voice has power. They may say something in passing and then all of a sudden someone's working on it. Like I, I just meant to, I was just commenting. I mean, so in your role, like you are at the national level. Like when you say something, it means something and people are going to react to it. They're going to start moving because of it. How, how do you become cognizant of your words? Like, how do you, how do you watch that the power you have is not quote unquote misused on accident just by saying something. Well, it's being measured. It's, it's being uh, thoughtful. It's, it's listening. Uh, it's a, it's a lot more listening than it is talking or listening than it is tweeting. Uh, even though I do talk and tweet a lot, uh, you have to listen as to what the, <clears throat> the question is that's being asked of you. Listen to the other commentary that's going on at the same time. And then when it comes to, a post and things of that nature on social media. It's, it's saying something that is different, saying something that is authentic, saying something that is uh, really in tune to what you believe, but something that was going to be uh, able to move the needle uh, and, and have a different perspective than what is already out there in the atmosphere. And so uh, I think that a lot of people uh, think that these positions, when you're a spokesperson or speaking or inter- <clears throat> being interviewed, uh, means that you have to just speak constantly. And that's not necessarily the case. What it is to be effective, I believe, is, is speaking effectively and speaking from a position that uh, allows you to listen to what's going on, being aware of the other things that are being said and trying to say something that's actually going to, like as you said, move the needle or help or persuade or educate. Well, you use this word uh, measured, and I, I love that word, and I love the word intentionality, being very intentional with sure. what you say. And, and again, this is not me, because I'm, I'm with you with this. Um, so many leaders I speak to or people who want to move into leadership positions, they feel that there's a dichotomy. Either you can be measured and intentional, or you can be authentic, right? And, you know, I have these conversations, like, like just... Let's, let's think about what you're saying. Let's, let's use right words. Well, no, not, not, now I'm not being authentic. You're, you're, you're changing my words. I just need to be put my passion out there. Um, it, it, can you do both? Can you be authentic and measured? I mean, I can. I, know, I can't speak for everybody else. Uh, <laughs> but I, and, I, and that's been the hallmark of my entire career. I've always been authentic. I've always said what I meant and meant what I said in a measured tone, understanding that words matter, understanding that uh, the things that you uh, present have a real uh, impact. Uh, so you really can't be uh, flippant. Uh, but I have always been measured in what I say, but also authentic. Uh, and when I say authentic, I mean uh, making sure that I'm not just reciting what has been given to me. Uh, I, I, I say the things that I mean, and I mean the things that I say, and it comes from my own personal experiences. It comes from my upbringing. It comes from my 
worldview. It comes from my values. It comes from my, uh, the sum total of all of my professional, personal, and familial experiences that lends to this authentic voice uh, that I present. Well, again, it's going to keep riffing off this, this, this great information you're sharing. You, you said you don't just read off of a script. Um, you know, I, I, I teach a class on you know, leadership at one of the federal agencies, and we are talking this week about what the job of a leader is to do. The, 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 ultimately, the job of a leader is to implement. Um, there's someone, you always have a boss. Everyone has a boss. Um, you can discuss with that boss. You can debate with that boss. But once the decision is made, your job is to implement. If you can't implement, then you got to leave stage left, right? Um, but quitting a job is not always the right thing if you don't agree with what is being pushed. How do you straddle that line? How do you th- thread that needle when you don't necessarily agree with the direction that the, the, your, the supervisor, the leader is saying, but it's your job as a leader to go out and speak as if you do? Like, How do you square that with yourself? Uh, you, you say and it goes to the territory. I mean, you have to understand that, like you said, you have a boss, you have a position. Uh, I would think that if you are a spokesperson at the White House, a press secretary, you know, you're not speaking on behalf of yourself. Mm-hmm. It'd be one thing if I was speaking on behalf of Paris Denard Enterprises or whatever, yeah. or Paris Denard the candidate or Paris Denard the yeah. entity. But I'm not. I'm speaking on behalf of the Republican National Committee. And so my positions are the positions that of the Republican National Committee, uh, that of our chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel, uh, our members of our 168, the things that we believe is believe in and prescribe to as a party. Uh, so Jen Psaki, for example, at the White House uh, as the press secretary, uh, she is not speaking as Jen Psaki. She's speaking on behalf of the White House, on behalf of President Biden. And so it's not necessarily her specific opinion. It is that she is reflecting or is a reflection of that position that the administration has. And I think that once you understand that it's not about yourself, when you understand that it's not about you, but yet you are just a, a, a part of the team, a spoke in the wheel that keeps the thing moving and helps to amplify and articulate the message, then you won't uh, have any difficulty, I think, uh, in uh, representing the the company, the brand, the candidate, the person um, that you have been hired to uh, speak out on or speak uh, on behalf of. I, I really love and I really appreciate that distinction. That's a very important distinction. You're not speaking on behalf of yourself. You're speaking on behalf of the organization, whatever you're working for. I, again, I think Again, I don't want people to cancel me or people get mad at me, um, but it's almost a maturity to understand that, um, that we are, yes, we want to be in a place that is wonderful and nice and fun, um, and it's a job, and they've hired us to perform a task, um, and that's kind of our job is to perform that task. I, I don't know. I've been having a lot of conversations recently about this, this push and pull between whether the workplace is the workplace or whether the workplace should be viewed as a family. Um, and those are two different environments. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it depends on how your family is. I mean, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think that, uh, you know, your workplace can be something that is enjoyable. Your workplace can be something that is like family because for a lot of Americans, 
you spend more time at work than you do with your own person, your mm-hmm, own family, mm-hmm. from a, just from a time perspective, Monday through Friday. Not everybody works Monday through Friday. A lot of people work uh, six and seven days a week, especially in the political realm. And so it can become like family. And I think the thing that uh, I take away from it is, you know, if 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 my job is something like a family, that means I'm going to defend it like family. Mm-hmm. So if you say something about uh, the chairwoman, then you say something about me. If you say something about uh, a particular member of our party or a precept uh, or a, a, a value uh, or an ideal or a policy that is inside of our party, then you're saying it about me because I'm a part of this party, one, two, I'm a part of this institution, this body, and three, we're like family. Uh, and so I think that if you care about the place that you work, if you care about the things that you are presenting and talking about and sharing and amplifying and representing, then you should uh, defend it like it is your own family. So if somebody says something about my mother, then we're going to have some choice words. Uh, <laughs> if you say something about my chairwoman, then we're going to have some choice words because we are family and we we stand by each other. And I think that if you don't have that level of dedication if you don't have that level of commitment, if you don't have that level of, uh, of, 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 of connectivity to the place that you work, especially in a, in a, in a role that requires you to be uh, out front publicly on it, then I don't think you should take the job or have the job because you're going to be required to be out there in the front lines, defending, promoting, pushing uh, the, the place that you work and you should have that level of comfort, that level of familiarity, that level of familial connection or tie uh, to them. Uh, if you're going to be effective, I believe at your job. Well, again, the, people listen to this podcast know that I, I, I generally am confused. I'm confused. Uh-huh. I'm confused, kind of, sir. Um, I was always told in order to make it to the top, in order to be successful in these leadership positions, you got to be focused on yourself. But it doesn't sound like that's what you're saying. Like you, you're not just focused on yourself. No, I think just the opposite. You know, it's a it's a, it's a good lesson. I, I I happen to have met Fonsworth Bentley is his stage name, and he was Fonsworth was the mm-hmm. young man and, um, at the time who uh, was uh, Sean Puffy Combs P Diddy's umbrella guy. Basically, so everywhere he went, he held the umbrella for him, and uh, he he said uh, that people would always be like why are you always holding his umbrella? Why are you so focused on holding his umbrella? He said, you know what? That was my job. He said, this was my job. Fonsworth Bentley said, my job was to be P. Diddy's umbrella guy and to make sure that everywhere he went, that he was taken care of. And if it meant held the umbrella, that's what his shtick was. That's what he did. But he said, in the meantime, he made sure he looked good doing it. He said he made sure that he had the, a, a good looking yeah. suit on, yeah. that he was he stood, stood up straight and had a smile on his face doing it. And he said, what, what happened was people started to take notice of him as an individual as he was doing his job. So for mm-hmm. him, it wasn't about himself. It was about doing the job to make his boss look good. So if you focus on making your boss look good, if you focus on making your corporation, your entity, your candidate, uh, I'm in the political sphere. So, you know, it's, it's the RNC or it's our candidate or it's our, uh, the person who's in office. Um, look good or sound good or, 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 or put the policy out so it's in a positive light, that's all you need to be focused on. If, if people take notice of you or uh, in your abilities and your skills, then that comes secondary. But your first priority is to do your job. And I, and I tell interns this all the time, do your job. If you do less than mm-hmm. that, you're not doing your job. If you do more than that, 
you're not doing your job. Just do what you've been asked, what you've been paid, what you've been hired, what you've been selected, what you've been appointed to do. And you do your job and you do your job well on behalf of the entity, on behalf of the company, on behalf of the candidate. And then everything else will, will line into place because you've been, you will stand out because you've done a good job. So no, I don't think it's about making yourself look good or it's about yourself. I think it's about being a team player and, and being someone who understands that your ultimate job is to be a representative or an ambassador for the organization, the candidate or the person or the brand. So <laughs> I, I almost, I, I wanted to say preach while you're talking, but I didn't want to. <laughs> um, so as long as you give a tithe, I'll be fine. Just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> if I give you a tie, that means I, I already know where it's going. If I can go to another tie. I read that. <laughs> yeah, <actually>. that's true. <laughs> um, actually, really quickly, so it's not an inside joke. How many ties do you have? Uh, last count, 600. But <laughs> in, 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 in fairness, I bought 10 this past uh, month. It's my birth month, so I'm on Leo season. So I decided to splurge on myself, but I, I, it is a bit of a problem. <laughs> they were all Every, on sale, though. They were all on sale. Everyone has their thing. Everyone yeah. has their thing. Yeah. Um, shoot, <laughs> I forgot where I was going. Um, but I was going to say is that there's no way. Again, please challenge me on this. Sure. But I feel like there's no way you would have achieved what you have achieved and been in the rooms and have the opportunity to influence what you had the opportunity to influence. If you had just done your job, I feel like you, you have to be exceptional. You've done something that differentiated you from the others. Um, what is that? Is, is there something that differentiated you? I, I, I did my job well. So, I, so that's mm. just the thing. I, I did my job well. I did not do less than my job. You know, I, I always, even when I was an intern, uh, and, I, and, I, and I'm a strong believer in internships and apprenticeships and things of that nature. But uh, even when I was a, a, an unpaid intern, I did my job extremely well. I, I, I dressed for the job that I wanted. I, I, I was the first to arrive. I was the last to leave. Um, I did everything that was asked of me in terms of what was my job responsibility. There was nothing that could have been asked of me too small, too insignificant. Uh, matter of fact, when I first got hired on at the White House, uh, under the George W. Bush administration uh, back in 2005, I, have, I was coming back from the restroom where I was washing two uh, bowls that were used for a party uh, that we had had. Uh, there, there's chips that are in these bowls. So I just took the bowls and I was washing them and, and they were, I was drying them uh, and it was coming in. And that's uh, the, my boss at the time. She said, come into my office and shut the door. And I thought I was in trouble. And she told me that uh, she was hiring me for the job. But the point is just 30 seconds before I was cleaning up, uh, mm -hmm. doing my job as an intern, yeah. uh, participating uh, and, and, and being a team player. So I think for me, and I think for others, I think it's doing your job well. I don't care what your job is. If it's a, a window washer, if it's a, a person who uh, takes, out the, uh, uh, takes out the garbage, if it's someone who is a nurse, if it's a doctor, if it's a lawyer, if it's a politician, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Uh, what your job is, just do your job well. And I think when you do your job well, you'll be rewarded and recognized for that. And I think that in a, in a sea of other leaders, in a sea or in the midst of other people who are, uh, are, are just as talented as you are, how do you differentiate yourself from that? I think it's because you do your job well. You stand out when you do your job well, because I can guarantee you there's probably some people who aren't doing their job 
as well. They're probably doing less than what they're supposed to do. They might be doing other things outside of what they've been asked to do, subsequently leaving their job undone. And so I made sure and try to do the job I've been asked to do, hired to do uh, well, do it and do it well. You know, you, know you, you, you said, well, again, you said so much here. Um, and there's one thing I want to really just put a pin in. I want everyone to hear this. It's kind of a thing for me. Um, you said there are so many leaders out there and you said that there are people who likely do the job just as good as you, if not better. Um, and that doesn't mean you can't be successful. Like I, I'm very confident there are people who do my job or technically could do my job better than me, but they're not me. Like, they don't put in the work that I put in to make sure my product is always here. And the reality is, is I spend a lot of my time meeting really great people like yourself to understand how to improve my skills and whatnot. Um, would, would you, do you have any re- reactions to that? I'm sure, look, I'm sure there's people that are probably more articulate than I am, smarter than I am, and uh, could, could probably do the job that I do uh, just as well. But, but I, I know that I'll outwork them. You know, and I know that the opportunities that I've been mm-hmm. given along the way, um, I'm, I'm acutely aware of those opportunities and have worked hard for them. Um, I've always had a very strong work ethic. And so it's not a function of, um, I, today I, w- I was meeting with one of my mentees and we were talking about the, the, the idea that only 25 or 30 or so people, uh, you know, run for president every year. It's not because there's only 35, let's just say 60, let's just say 100 it's not that there's only a hundred people in the United States of America qualified to be president of the United States. It's only because there's about that hundred being very, very generous because really we're closer to like 20, yeah. but actually put their, their hat in the ring uh, and, and run. There are many people who, who are qualified to run for president. There are many people who are, are more qualified than the people who get elected to be president. Yeah. yeah. But it's those people who take the time run, put together the apparatus, mm-hmm. the team, and, and have the energy and, and have set forth a course uh, to, to run that actually get in. But that does not mean that there's nobody else capable or outside of those 25 or so people who run. And I think that uh, when you realize that you're replaceable, that's just the, that's the thing that people uh, forget about. You know, you should always, you know, remember that you are replaceable and remember that there is somebody else. And so when you stop being hungry for the job, if you, when you stop being excited about the job, just know that there's 10 other people, especially when you're in DC, when you're uh, with interns, you know, there's so many people that are, are waiting for the opportunity to come up that are younger, uh, more talented or, and hungrier for it. So you should always be hungry. You should always be motivated. You should always be excited. You should always be uh, ready and willing for the challenge every single day because you can't be replaced. Uh, members of Congress, you can be replaced. You know, President of the United States, you can be removed. Uh, you know, people in appointed positions, you can't be let go. And the people who get comfortable, the people who get lackadaisical in their duty, the people who get uh, lazy are the people who end up losing because they say, oh, I don't have to go knock on the door. Oh, I don't have to make the phone call to raise the money that I need to with the donors. I don't have to call that person back. I don't have to do the phone banking. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? There's going to be some, there's some young candidate right there knocking on the doors. There's some candidate right there making the phone calls or some candidates going to the town hall meeting, going, going there and, and going, speaking at the community center, going to the church, doing the things that need to be done to, to get elected. 
they're outworking you uh, because they 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 yeah. they're 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 excited about the position. So I think when you have that 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 idea that you're replaceable and somebody else can do it, that doesn't mean that they should, but they can. Uh, I think that keeps you uh, motivated and an internal motivation, an internal motivation to keep going. Thank you for tuning in to the Alex Tremble Show. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year-round. WEPA has been insuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEPA can be used as a supplement or a replacement for Fegley and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEPA Group Term Life Insurance and see how much you could save by visiting WAEPA.org today. The results are in. Research has found that networking is one of the four skills absolutely required to successfully advance in your career. However, when asked, most government employees state that they don't network because they believe that networking is for extroverts and for people who care more about their own careers than the organization's mission. But what if there was a way to ethically network without looking self-absorbed and being a super extrovert? Well, there is. Alex Tremble has created a seven-week online networking course specifically designed to give ambitious leaders like yourself the skills needed to become a strategic networker. This course uses time-tested and research-backed strategies to help you identify, build, and maintain critical relationships with influential leaders. Visit alextremble.com courses networking to learn more about his networking model today. Use the discount code PODCASTFAMILY on the checkout screen to receive a 20% discount. Don't delay. Enroll today at alextremble.com courses networking. And now back to the Alex Tremble Show with your host, Alex Tremble. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> this is it's not just because I agree with everything he says, it's because it's, it's really great. Um, so uh, I, our, our time is starting to wrap up. So I'm going to be very, very intentional with the last few minutes we have. Sure. Um, there's a question that I, I, I wanted to throw by you. So. I normally don't do research. I want these conversations to be organic. Um, but I did a bunch of research getting ready to talk to you. And what I found, which you'll probably be, very, maybe you'll be surprised, um, is that uh, the country seems to be a little polarized right now. I'm not sure if you heard. <laughs> um, <laughs> and my question is, is how do you bring, not a country, Country's big, but within an organization, sometimes an organization has competing fractions on or competing ideas of where the organization should go. And unfortunately, the people who then work for those individuals take sides. And but no one wins in that situation. How do you how do you take two different visions that are going that both want to do well? but they're going maybe two different directions. How do you bring them together to bring the staff and your team together to be successful in reaching that ultimate goal? Well, there's always one leader. So there's, you know, unless you have the, the, the starfish model, which I don't particularly think works, uh, you know, the starfish model, you have, you know, you cut off one leg and there's no, there's no real leader with the starfish model, cut off one leg and then another one grows and it keeps going and it's organic, but there's no real leadership. I don't think that that works. I think you do need to have 
someone in charge, someone, the buck has to stop with someone or an entity, a group, a a board, yeah. or some governing board that yeah. makes the decisions and sets the tone or whatever. So um, I think there has to be a leader. And I think that when you're in an organization, uh, you, you, you go with what the leader says. Now, there might be some grumblings about, you know, different directions that you could go into, but I think ultimately you have to side with what the leadership is wanting. And I think if you can get to a point where 80% of the things, it's like an 80% rule of, of in politics, they talk about, you know, if, it's, if, if you can agree with 80% of it, mm-hmm. forget about that 20% that you disagree yeah. with, because the, that, you have the majority, so let's just move forward and then work out the 20% later. Uh, but I think that you, 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 this, I think that question lends itself to uh, the example of having strong leadership. And the reason why I think you do need yeah. to have leadership, because when you have too much divisions, too many uh, cooks in the kitchen and, and differing opinions and, and styles and, and thoughts and directions on how to take an organization, uh, you can have fractions. But the best thing to do, I think, is to be unified uh, and that's what we are here at the RNC. If, for example, we are unified under, you know, the direction that our chairwoman sets forth, and we have a 168, which is our governing body, or made of national committee men and women and state chairmen, and they agree on a certain things in terms of platforms and policy positions. But ultimately, our chair uh, sets the tone and the direction, and we and we follow suit. I think that's important, and I think that that's help, tremendously helpful. So I think if in any organization, uh, you should always. I think want to be an organization that has strong leadership that you can get behind and understand. And they are very clear in the focus, very clear in their goals, very clear in their aims, very clear in their objectives so that you can all um, find, find your footing, find your place and, 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 and walk with them. You, again, thank you so much for, for your time with me today and with us today and everything you've shared. Uh, if I can squeeze in one last question, sure. this is a, this is a, this is a kind of a personal one. This is honestly, it's a personal one. So feel free not to respond. It, obviously, everyone can feel free not to respond. Um, so la- last year, um, during all the the racial strife in the country and what's going on, um, I had a friend. Um, I had a friend who, um, who from high school, a long time ago, and actually a number of friends who I started seeing posting like, really bad stuff. Um, uh, about black people. And I was like, dude, like, come on now. Like, what are you talking about? And he said, um, actually they said all individually, they were like, no, 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 this is not about you. You're one of the good ones. And I was like, Oh God. And it hurt my heart. And I, I guess my question is, have you ever been in a situation? Cause you, again, you are a leader. You're, you know, you're, you are respected. Um, have you ever been in a situation where you're just like, because I'm, I'm going to go there. So you're, you're a black male. That's what I want to ask you because you're a black male and you're in a leadership position. That's why I want to keep moving. Like, like, have you ever had to deal with that situation? And how did you, how did you respond? Well, I think that uh, when you think about the, 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 the mantle of leadership that you uh, are ascribed to when you get to certain levels, I think you have to be responsible for them. And I, I, I know that it is a unique situation where you have uh, anytime there are you know, black Americans in position of leadership, you, you oftentimes hear the expression that you uh, are representing the whole community. So you're, you know, when, you're, when you're at the Olympic games, you, know, you, 
and you talk to any of the, the there's I was representing the, my family the, the United States of America, but the whole black community. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because you you sort of when you get in these leadership positions, you feel the weight of uh, of your community, and, and 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 you feel that way because you want to represent well, because you know that uh, not a lot of people in our community gets to have these opportunities just historically. And that's just, that's, that, that's not a, a, a judgment on anything, but just fact, you know, there are very few get to the, the, the pinnacles of things, especially in politics. Uh, and so you want uh, to represent the community well. And I think that uh, that's one of the things I want to represent our community. Well, I want to represent my family. Well, you know, this is why I want to represent our party. Well, uh, because there are a lot of people in our, some, there's a lot of people in our party that uh, are rooting for me to succeed and, and want to see uh, the, the, the gains that we've, we've made as a GOP in terms of expanding and growing our party that we saw under the leadership of President Trump and with Ronna McDaniel, our chairwoman. You know, they, it's a very real thing. And so I want to represent well. And I think that uh, there are times when I think um, people uh, don't want to be let down. And I think a lot of times uh, uh, Black Americans are hard, and leadership are hard on each other, are hard on ourselves because we don't want to let the community down. I think to answer your, your question about, you know, people saying that you're, you're, you're some of the good ones, I, I think the challenge is that we're not a monolithic group of people in terms of the Black community. And so Absolutely. there are people in our community who sometimes fall short of the standard that we would have for ourselves or the standard that I would have for my family or the standard that my family set for me. Um, but I think that what it, what it does do for us is it challenges us to continue to be shining examples and try to do our very best to not only lead well, but build that bench, bring up the next generation of, of, of people, of leaders, uh, make sure that other people can have opportunities that look like us uh, to, 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 to get involved and to be engaged so that we can have more people uh, and grow the party and grow the institution or grow uh, the network that you have, uh, not just politically, but wherever you happen to be, mm -hmm. uh, because that's really re representation matters. No, it doesn't matter if you're you know, a, a black man or if you are uh, you know, a working mother. You want to make sure that you have people that look like you, sound like you, talk like you in positions of leadership so that things can get better and change, but also so that you, so younger people can look up and see uh, something that's positive. Yeah. I think ultimately that's what that person was talking about is when you turn on the television, uh, it, it, the media does have an image of, of people that is negative. You know, I wish the media would, would portray all the good things that Black Americans are doing in this country. I wish the media would focus on uh, the fact that it's not creating a false narrative about Black Republicans and focus on the fact that we are uh, just as con connected and committed to our communities as anybody else. But there, is these, there are these stereotypes and false narratives out there which, claw, which cloud people's opinions and, and, and formulates, in many instances, people's opinions about groups of people which are unfair and unnecessary. So I think the onus on us is to try to always do our best to educate, but to be great examples uh, for our 
for our families and for our community as best we can. Thank, thank you so much for that answer. And I'm going to make one last small little story. Um, again, this is not a political thing. This is, I still, I was working for the U.S. Department of Interior back when um, President Obama was elected in an office. And honestly, it's like I jogged up the steps and I imagined myself as the president. Like it, like you said, the having representation really does matter. Like seeing you in this position, like I can do that. Or someone, you know, someone seeing a, a Native American or uh, an Afghani or, you know, a, a single mother doing these great things like the, that, that visual is so important. And it really, it truly does help like motivate, inspire, and just let you know, like, this is real. Like you can really do this. Um, <laughs> well, that, you know, that's just when I was growing up, you know, my mother, she always told me I could be president of the United States. And I believed it. And so when, when President Obama was elected, people would always say, did you ever think you'd live to see the day? And I was like, well, actually, yeah, I did. And they were like, they're like, well, well, how is that? I was like, well, because my mama told me a long time ago I could be president. And I, I believed her. And so I, I went through my whole life thinking mm -hmm. that it wasn't outside the realm of possibility for a black person to become president. Matter of fact, my mama told me I could become president. So I went through life thinking that I could be president. Uh, so when it happened, it wasn't a surprise to me. Because mm -hmm. that was my mentality. That was the way I was raised. Uh, and, I had, and I also saw other examples of Black Republicans, which I happened to be in, my, in the party, which showed me that you can have positions of leadership, whether it was Clarence Thomas or at that time, J.C. Watts or Ken, Ken Blackwell, you know, the, I, and the list goes on and on, Kay Coles James. You know, so I saw the leadership and was proud of it. But it, it, it all goes into how you view yourself and how you view uh, the, your, your lot in life and what you want to be and how you want to achieve. And I, when you look at, you know, uh, Ronna McDaniel, who is our chairwoman, working mother, head of the Republican National Committee, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and she'll tell you, if not for this man named Donald Trump, she would have never had the opportunity to be the head of the Republican Party. She goes, none of those other candidates would have ever given her a shot mm -hmm. to be the, the national leader. Yeah. And she's one uh, you know, she was appointed to uh, both times, both times by the president, and and run on her own on her own merit. So, the what does that do for women out there to know conservative women mm. or just working mothers to see someone yeah. actually lead the head yeah. of the party like that? Yeah. It, it matters, uh, but it's because I believe she believes she could do it as a working mother who who has children still at home, and you know, for someone like me, believing that I could be in this position. And can be in greater positions because that's what my mother told me. That's what I believed, and I've seen examples of achievement. Uh, and but that was my worldview. My worldview was a, was an example of achievement. My worldview were, were examples of 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 possibilities and opportunities. That was my worldview. That's how I that's what I was presented. It was more of you can do it. You can be it. You can achieve it. And here's positive examples of you seeing that. Um, both within the Republican Party and, and outside of the Republican Party. And I think that has to be how people in leadership uh, utilize the position that they're given, making sure that you stay positive, making sure that you provide that window of opportunity to other people so they can see that it is possible. Because most people, if they just listen to what the media says, if they just follow what the mainstream media puts out there, they never see the good. They never see the opportunities presented to themselves. But we have to break through that and show it and highlight it. it well, I would, I would just really quickly say that sure. 
my my mother and my father, my grandpa, my family, they always poured positivity into my life. They always yeah. said, you can do it. You can do it. Right. Um, but it's crazy because I knew I could do it, but I didn't know what it was until I started being around other leaders and reading books and seeing images. And like, so like you said, it's, I, I really think it is because uh, uh, it's not the leader doesn't have to do it because if the leader doesn't do it, you should do it yourself. But a leader should provide opportunity for his or her um, colleagues and mentees and, and, and employees to be around greater leaders than themselves so they can see what is possible, what, right. what they could be. Right. I just love it. Um, so thank you so much for your time. I wanted to open it to you one last time. Is there anything you would like to share? Any closing thoughts, ideas, things, anything that's been blessed on your heart that you'd like to share with our audience? Well, look, I just, first of all, thank you for the opportunity. Um, I think leadership is something that's so critically important. And I think you should always just follow uh, your dreams and, and, and follow your heart and, and what you want to do and what you want to be. Uh, you mentioned something about the it. It doesn't matter what the it is. And I think the it is still uh, going to reveal itself to everyone at, at different points in time. I know my it has not happened. I, I'm still, I still dream. I still have visions. I still you know, believe in different things that are going to happen even after this. And so I think we should always continue to uh, be positive, have faith, and, and look fo forward into the things that can be. Um, and I think that when you are in positions of leadership, you know, you should take those positions very seriously, uh, uplift other people around you. Don't be afraid to have, be, uh, if, 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 be aware of your strengths, but, but, but even more aware of your weaknesses. Surround yourself with people who are smarter than you, more talented than you. Don't be intimidated by that. Um, I'm certainly not. Uh, I want the best around me. Uh, and I think that when you do that, you make yourself better. You make the entity, the group, uh, the company, uh, the organization better, uh, your family better. Uh, and I think that uh, we just have to be uh, more mindful of good leadership. Uh, bad leadership is a curse. Uh, good leadership is something that is a tremendous blessing. And I think when you see examples of bad leadership, it, it, it pushes you to want to have good leaders at, at all levels, not just at the national level, but just even at the smallest, uh, some would say insignificant, but I would say those, those positions are just as important uh, positions all over the country. Uh, we need good leaders. And if you think that you are a good leader, if you think you could be a good leader, if you want to be a good leader, surround yourself with other people who are uh, good leaders. Get involved, get motivated, get excited, uh, be engaged, and throw your hat in the ring to, to lead. Uh, because if you don't, uh, other people will step up. And I think that you should step up. Absolutely. Everyone, you know where I'm about to go with this. Um, I did one last bit of research before I came on with you today. And I think I'm supposed to ask you because, you know, of your stature. Um, do you have any breaking news today? <laughs> do I have any breaking news? <laughs> the, 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 only, the only breaking news I have is that this weekend, uh, the Republican National Committee is going to be opening uh, a new community center in uh, Laredo, Texas. Uh, and, and we are excited about this. Uh, because it's an effort that we're doing to take our party into diverse communities. We opened one up in Little Saigon uh, in, in Southern California. We opened up a, 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 for the APA community. We opened one up for the Black community in, in Cleveland, Ohio. And now we're going to open up for the Hispanic community uh, and down in, in Texas. And so we're excited about this effort. And when it's all said and done, 
we have uh, over 20, some, uh, some over 20 community centers and communities of color all across the country. Because again, when it comes to uh, leadership, I think you have to be willing to go to places that you wouldn't normally go and take your message. If you believe that what you're doing is, is right, is mm-hmm, good, mm-hmm. you're willing to go into, into different neighborhoods and expand uh, your leadership. And so we're doing that and I'm excited about it. So you'll be hearing a lot more out of, out of our community centers that are happening and opening uh, this this weekend. Ah, shoot. Asking that question actually works. Okay. Um, everyone, if you took something from this podcast, this, this, this time together with parents, if you took anything of value, remember, don't just look back, reach back. That means if you took something, don't, don't look at the next person and say, oh, they should have been here. They missed out. No, that is not for you to do. Your, your job now is to bring this content to them, share this video, share this link, whatever it may be, but don't let all these, this, these words of wisdom that Paris shared today, don't let it just sit on your ears and, and stay there. Share it with someone. So share it with someone else. Be a mentor. Be a leader. As always, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moved. See ya. Thanks for listening. Find us online at thealextrembleshow.com and be sure to share what you've learned with at least one other person today. Check back on the first and third Wednesday of each month for new episodes. Until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.